Welcome back to Good Monsters. My name is Cody Lawrence. I'm your host, and I have a new intro for you. Let's roll. Again, welcome back to Good Monsters. Uh, I have an interesting episode in store for you today. Uh, First, I wanted to congratulate myself that my last episode uh, called A Crack in the Dam was removed from YouTube for misinformation, even though no information existed in it. So uh, a big round of applause for myself. My little tiny, barely any subscribers YouTube channel is being targeted by the bad guys. Uh, Well, we'll see if that keeps up. Uh, But let's get into the episode, A Guide to Pro-Life and Tired Arguments. Uh, This has been going around the news lately, these discussions, and I thought I would put in my two cents. Uh, So hopefully I will be able to give you some valuable things to think about that you hopefully um, haven't already had a chance to think about a whole lot. Hopefully I'll be able to present to you some new ideas. Uh, So I wanted to first target two objections to the pro-life argument. And by the way, I am coming from the perspective of being ardently what we call pro-life. And we'll get into that a little later. Um, But I wanted to tackle two objections that are buzzing around social media right now and give responses to those to help you out. But I also want to talk about the language that we use Uh, about this issue of abortion and maybe how we can change our language to have more productive conversations. So first, the objections. One is, you've probably heard these two, but if you haven't, be ready because you will. Pro-lifers are only pro-life until birth. They don't care about people at all. That's one of the objections. Uh, We are pro-life up until the baby is born, and then we let them off into the terrible, evil, awful world um, where, you know, nobody should live at all. We might as well kill ourselves, all of us. Crazy. What a a crazy thought uh, just on the surface. But um, it's worth examining because it's a really popular argument, which means it, the people using the argument must feel like they are sticking a knife into a a weak spot and twisting it. So let's talk about this. Um, Are people who are against abortion uh, ungenerous? Do they not care about people's lives after they're born? Certainly some might not. Some uh, bad Christians out there might really like making people around them miserable, but they might be against abortion. Uh, It's possible. It's entirely possible. (laughs) But let's look at the facts. Let's look at the science. According to adoption.org, hey, I have sources. So YouTube, if you want to attack me for misinformation, go check the sources. According to adoption.org, 5% of all practicing Christians have adopted. Uh, When I read that, I was blown away. That's a huge number. One in 20 Christians have adopted. Wow, that's that blew my mind. 
so anyway, that's a big number, as you can tell. Like 5% of Christians have adopted. That is twice the number of adults who have adopted otherwise. Uh, and, and many of those Christians who have adopted, they've adopted many more than just one time. Uh, in addition, a survey showed that 38% of practicing Christians had seriously considered adoption, while only 26% of all adults had. So Christians definitely have a leg up in the adoption category, uh, and it's it's probably has something to do with the love that they share for their fellow being, you know, the, the orphans and the widows, in other words. Uh, also, Christians donate more to charities on average than other people. According to a Washington Times article, religious giving accounts for 32% of all U.S. giving. That's a lot. Uh, also, 62% of religious households give to charity, while only 46% of non-religious households give to charity. So Christians are more charitable on average. Interesting. Not to mention, Christians, like myself, are willing to fight and die for your rights to say stupid stuff like, pro-lifers are only pro-life until birth. Crazy. Remember Matthew 5.10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. The second objection, hopefully that answers the first, basically it's a, it's a bogus objection. Both of these are, but again, they're worth analyzing. The second objection, what about refugees? That's like the first thing people jump to in their minds. They're like, you care about babies, but you don't care about refugees. A few years ago, it was all about people crossing the border. And right now with the Afghanistan situation, you know, it's, it is uh, expedient for these people to be able to use, to want to use refugees as a category in this, because there are so many people fleeing Afghanistan right now. But let me just insert this. Think about why there are refugees fleeing Afghanistan right now and whose fault it was. So the answer is to what about the refugees is uh, we don't have a responsibility actually to help everyone else in the world. Uh, I would like to see that everybody is cared for, but I don't personally have a responsibility to somebody who I don't know even exists in some other country. We have a greater responsibility to those who are close to us. Um, This argument can be made biblically. We're supposed to love our neighbor. And I think our neighbor includes everybody in the world. But uh, we are supposed to serve those in need. Um, And there's, there's more of an awareness of those needs in proximity to us. And so if I'm spending my resources. I mean, you know, if if I know that everybody has a need, I will never have enough money or time or resources to serve everybody's needs in the world. And so there has to be this collective effort on behalf of Christians and just charitable human beings to fill needs. And so we should serve people in need, and that includes refugees. But to, to think about the, the situation that refugees are in, uh, normally it's the government that takes on the responsibility to welcome refugees into the country, and uh, that's often that's not their job. Remember, um, it's the government's job to merely, biblically, praise good and punish evil. And 
bringing in refugees into a country isn't necessarily that. So I think a, a consistent Christian can say, no, 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 we don't want to to bring endless numbers of refugees into our country, especially if they're not vetted and many of them might actually be members of the Taliban. You know, that that's a, a smart, wise thing to worry about. Um, but let's say there are charity organizations that take care of, of refugees. Um, some friends of mine are giving money to support some, and I think that's great. Uh, so, you know, why don't we do that? But to use that as an argument that some Christians don't do that or don't fully support refugees, that's kind of weird. But another thing to think about is, um, and this is kind of a tired objection itself, but are these people who are raising this objection bringing refugees into their homes? How much money are they donating to refugee charities? Probably nothing. And so their whole point in this is to call out hypocrisy in you and to totally ignore the hypocrisy in their own lives. And we know what Jesus said about that, which was, uh, don't ignore the log in your own eye and focus on the splinter in somebody else's. So this is a wonderful example of that. And you should really watch out for this happening. But at the same time, if you are a Christian and you don't find yourself serving or meeting needs, um, then you should. And, you know, seriously, like you should, that is something that Jesus has commanded and you should do it. Uh, but the hypocrisy isn't quite where these people think it is. So the objection is is uh, just wrong. It's wrongheaded. Notice also that the very same people who are saying, what about the refugees, actually support murdering babies. And again, the hypocrisy that they're trying to put on us is 100-fold back on themselves because they're saying, you should care about refugees, but we don't actually have to care about murdering babies. But if you care about murdering babies, you should also care about the refugees. And, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I care about meeting the needs of my neighbor. And if I have the resources to and I see a need then I'm going to do my best to fulfill it, or I should anyway. <laughs> so we can we can fully accept that on ourselves and then turn it back around on them and point out the hypocrisy that is so blatantly evident. Uh, also, again, mentioning Afghanistan, the same people who support the choices that resident Biden made to create all of the refugees in Afghanistan uh, are the people who also support murdering babies and are the people who are saying, what about the refugees? So our current regime that's in power in America has made this horrible, horrible, awful choice to leave Afghanistan the way we did, which has created this void that has been filled with the worst of the worst of Islamic terrorists. <laughs> And uh, as a result, people are dying. Refugees are being made. And uh, they are praising the regime's decision to get out because war is bad, right? War is bad. Uh, I agree, but it should have happened differently. You know, there is a wise way to exit a war, and that wasn't it. And also, uh, I, uh, to get on a bit of a tangent just for a second, a level of responsibility needs to be taken also and not praise like, oh, we made a good decision. It was great. You know, there aren't people stuck in airports in Afghanistan. Ha ha ha. Total lies. That is misinformation. Uh, and, you know, it's just being fed to people and people are buying it. It's crazy. Uh, there are there are Americans and 
non-Americans and Christians and non-Christians stuck in Afghanistan who are trying to leave and they can't and they're being killed. And it's because our nation has enabled them. I wish there were more refugees, in fact, for us to have these conversations about what to do with because many of them who would have been refugees, they died because of the terrorists who murdered them, who were enabled by our nation. Something to think about. Let's talk about language. The language of pro-life and pro-choice, I think, is a trap that allows us to fall victim to tired arguments like the two above. Let's call it what it is. Forget pro-life. I'm against murdering babies. You know, even abortion, the word abortion has been sanitized to the point where, you know, it doesn't it doesn't have the same ring to it as murder. So let's just call it what it is. It's murder. I'm against murdering babies. You are for murdering babies. Let's keep the conversation about that. It's not about pro-life versus the people who are pro-choice. It's about the people who are pro-murder against the people who are anti-murder, right? Who are the good guys? The people who don't like murder, obviously. We should, here's another issue with uh, using the language pro-life and pro-choice. It's so broad. Saying pro-life allows us to fall into traps like the above. We should all, all of us as Christians, should be pro-choice when it comes to masks and medical treatments, for example, but not when it comes to murder. Likewise, there are situations where we should not be pro-life. And bear with me here. Are we pro-life for murderers? This is arguable, but I believe no. Hopefully you're not. God's law seems to create a principle that if people unjustly kill, they ought to be justly killed. Rapists in the Bible were even put to death. I'm for that too. (laughs) That'd be awesome. Let's kill rapists, not their babies. But note that we should always hold life as sacred and valuable. So this isn't to say that you suspend the belief that life is valuable for murderers. It's not, we, we don't want capital punishment because their life isn't valuable. We want capital punishment because they took something so valuable as a life. And there must be a punishment for that because that's justice. If we care about life and we care about justice, then punishment has to happen. I remember back in my high school days and college, maybe, when I was swept around by the winds of culture, that I courageously took the stand against abortion, except for in the case of rape and incest. Uh as it was so popular to say. But then I heard at one point someone make the argument that to abort, red, murder, a baby, even in those cases, is to punish the child for the sin of a parent. And as soon as I heard that, something snapped in my mind. And I was like, well, duh, that's obvious. That convinced me then and there that all abortion is always bad. (laughs) Because murder is always bad. It's really not that hard. We should use the language, I am against the murder of babies. If somebody asks you, are you pro-life or pro-choice? I am against the murder of babies. This avoids all of the above objections and many more. I am against the murder of babies. Well, what about refugees? As a response, just doesn't make sense. (laughs) 
I am also against the murder of refugees, yes. <laughs> this is also much like the phrase, gay marriage. I am not against gay people getting married. Lower your eyebrows. Hold tight. I am against men marrying men and women marrying women. I prefer to call it same-sex marriage. And I'm against it because it's impossible. There's no such thing as a man marrying a man just as much as it's impossible for me to wake up one day and say that I'm a woman. It just can't be. (laughs) Even if I believe that it is possible. So to be against, uh, here's why the language is bad. Because to say gay marriage is... It sounds like you're against gay people. It has nothing to do with the individual, though, and it has everything to do with the marriage. And so to say same-sex marriage kind of puts the focus on the marriage and that people of the same sex are getting married, not gay people, because gay people can get married. They should just get married to people of the opposite gender, or not at all. (laughs) In fact, it'd be even more appropriate to use the word mirage, or something like it, in the place of marriage, since it's not marriage. Uh, Texas's heartbeat law. Texas has, if you haven't heard, Texas has introduced a law that bans abortion after six weeks. This is wonderful. Six weeks, by the way, is the moment in, or is the time, is the month in which a heartbeat can be detected uh, in a child, which is also prior, actually, to when many women even know that they're pregnant. This kind of thing is called a heartbeat law. And it's awesome. It's great. Amen. Like, praise God that this happened in Texas. Now, what would be even better is if abortion or murder was abolished completely. But this is a huge step in a positive direction, at least in Texas, that will hopefully lead to the salvation of thousands of tiny lives. But that's not all the law does. The law allows anyone to sue someone who helps a person acquire an abortion in Texas for up to $10,000. This is also awesome. Giving incentives to save lives, great. But an objection has been raised to this, coming from those who love the murder of babies. Again, trying to turn the tables on us, but they're not so good at turning the tables, but we're really good at letting them do it as evangelicals. So here's how to turn the tables right back. They will say, Woe to you hypocrites! If the government started giving $10,000 to informants against people who won't wear masks, you'd pitch a fit! Yeah, yeah, I would. So what? (laughs) Remember the government's God-given purpose is to praise good and punish evil. That's 1 Peter 2.13. Not wearing masks isn't evil. See previous episodes. Once or again, they will say... Why don't you support pregnant mothers with $10,000 instead? Well, if we're really interested in helping saving lives, you know, that's the argument, then we would we'd give all this money to the pregnant mothers. That'll be sure to stop abortion. Uh, oh, my naive friend, that won't stop abortion. Abortion isn't primarily committed by suffering, impoverished mothers who can barely survive on their own, much less feed their babies. Of course, some of those people might exist. Uh, But murdering babies is also done by the irresponsible and the indecisive and the just plain evil. People who just can. Some people even revel in the number of babies that they have murdered. Seriously. Remember, abortion doesn't prevent you from being a mother. It just makes you the mother of a dead child. 
Don't fall into these traps. Let's think about the language we use as Christians, uh, even if it is something so obvious that we can get behind as pro-life. But there is nuance to this that allows us to fall into these rhetorical traps that we really should try to avoid. And we avoid those by narrowing down the definitions of what we're talking about by not even saying the word abortion. Use the word that has the most sting, that has the most meaning, murder, because that's what we're talking about. I'm against murder. I, you know, I think, I think killing criminal or killing uh, uh, murderers is okay. <laughs> so does that make me not pro-life? Maybe in that one area, I don't know. But I, I believe in the sanctity of life. And I believe that murder is bad. That's what we're talking about. So let's talk about murder. Know what you're for as a Christian. And know what you're against. What you're for is scripture. What you're against is sin and unrighteousness. What you're for is justice. Real justice. Not the kind with the label tacked onto it called social. You're for life. You're for life so much, in fact... That you're also for the government carrying out just punishment on those who take life. You're for serving your neighbor. You're for meeting needs around wherever you can. You're for a proper understanding of the Bible. And you're for sticking to it at all costs. Hopefully this episode was encouraging, and I'll catch you in the next one. God bless.